listening to the Derek Asante podcast, also known as DAPS, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. I just aim to keep the discussion above the average. My guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Asante, and today we're spending some time with a dear friend. Very, 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 very special friend. This individual means a great deal to me personally. Um, She is family to me. Uh, I have the utmost respect and love for her that will forever stand the test of time, as it has, and I believe it will continue to. My sister here, um, she's here to bestow upon us her wisdom in her role as a mortgage agent. I will officially and formally or informally, sorry, introduce her in a later episode about our relationship specifically. But today we're here to talk mortgages. Please help me welcome my sister, great friend, Heidi Serio. Welcome. Wow. Thank you so much for that introduction. I just have to say, not only am I uh, welling up. Um, that was so beautiful. Um, but I really, I really do appreciate all of what you said. And I do, I do really appreciate the many years of learning and growing with you as at times my sidekick and at times my mentor and, uh, at times just a voice, uh, on my shoulder guiding me and, uh, I'm so happy that as I branched from other things into uh, into this space of mortgage work, that it created yet another opportunity for us to connect in a different way on a different level. Oh man, it's it's honestly it's my truth. It's you know our our truth. I think, and it it's always an honor for me to be able to introduce you and put you on that stage where I think you belong every single time. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I often open the show with a quote. And the quote I have for you is this. I'm going to share it. Um, And then once I share it, I would like for you to give me your thoughts on what that means to you in any way, shape or form or what you get from it. All right. Sounds good. It reads, the best exercise for the heart is reaching out and lifting someone up without the strings of expectation. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I think that that quote speaks to me in so many ways. Uh, I think that that's, that quote talks to me a little bit about how I uh, kind of fell first into nonprofit and community development work, which was entirely by accident, um, literally like tripping off a curb, Mm. Uh, but it was vocation. And I don't know that I even understood it at that point. Uh, The idea of vocation, the idea of core values, the idea of congruence, and that has been a big part of my growth journey over the last decade. Mm -hmm. And I think that in everything that I do, whether I'm I'm cognizant of it or not, it is critical to me that I 
can understand that my role is meant to be how how I share what I know and what I can do in creating space for other people to empower themselves and uplift themselves. And yeah, that's a great quote. Thank you. That was all from my brain. Look at that. I had fun with that one because I I thought about it and I said, hey, I think this one might resonate really well with her. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, it it took me some time because I had to obviously reflect on who you are, um, what you're about, what you stand for and so forth. So I thought that would be a nice quote to kind of get you to think about yourself in a different light, too. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so <clears throat> this is the part that I know you're not going to enjoy as much, but I'm going to force <laughs> you to do it now. Okay. If, <laughs> if, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really excited now. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to summarize, maybe I'm going to, const- you know, uh, confine you a little bit with, with limited words. If you had okay. to summarize who Heidi is. <laughs> yes, I know. I told you. <laughs> uh, okay. So I don't know if it help if I said, you know, five people that you know or know you well, if they have to describe who you are, um, what would they say about Heidi? What kind of person would they say mm-hmm. you are? And and I have a word limit. You're saying so it's like grant writing all over again. (laughs) 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 Um, I I think that um, people closest to me and people that have have known me either recently or not so recently through my uh, best moments and my uh, uh, maybe not so best moments would say that I'm committed. I'm a very committed and dedicated person. Whatever it is that's in front of me, whomever it is that's in front of me, uh, if I say I'm going to do it, I do it. Um, it. Sometimes to my detriment, actually maybe more often than than not, uh, I, (laughs) I, I can sometimes personally pay the price for that, but I don't know that I necessarily ever allow it to register as, as an expense of me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very committed. I'm very, very loyal. Um, to a fault. fault. (laughs) Um, I, I have a, a strong conviction that, you know, that as, as somebody who's been through a lot of different types of uh, difficulties and challenges from from childhood and throughout. Uh, it's been key to me and as a mother to to mm-hmm. recognize that every day and every moment has to be treated and honored as a new opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the people around me they they sometimes recognize that, uh, sometimes take advantage of it. I would say. Um, uh, because it means that even if there was a hardship, even if we had a, even if we hit a road bump or there was a hiccup, chances are, uh, 
I will look past it and look for an opportunity for us to continue to grow together and build together. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, um, you know, community and service to others is, is it's not just my vocation. It's not just how I feel about myself on the planet, but I think that that's how I would hope that everybody aspires to be is, is kind of consistently checking in with what their impact is with others. And I think, you know, uh, people, people feel that I listen and people feel that I support, um, people feel that I can be goofy. Um, I, I know that too, uh, Sometimes I can be so hypersensitive about something that I can't let it go. Um, but I think that helps me a lot of the times with being so focused on task completion. There you go. Wow. Yeah. I knew I knew that was going to be a tough one for you because you're not so the hard. one to talk about yourself. So, so. hard. <laughs> I, I just had to imagine that I was I was one of my friends or yeah. somebody near yeah. me and and not me because yeah. it would have been I talk a lot as you know so when it when it comes to talking about me ah, yeah, yeah the, the crickets are in the room that's it that's it yeah now so what is it about you know helping others even when it doesn't benefit you right for some reason you're still drawn to help others like what is what do you think it is i you know i think i think a big piece of it is i i don't i don't really feel like anything that i know or anything that i have is supposed to be just mine um i i I know that I do have some 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 very fiscally conservative friends who would who would often refer to me as as a as a raging communist because of it or a granola, which I'm not. <laughs> um, I eat granola, but I'm not a granola. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, like I feel very strongly that beauty in life comes from sharing what you have with other people. Um, and I think that a lot of that also comes from the fact that I believe that we are by nature, um, evolving, growing, developing and learning organisms. And if I can't share, how can I receive? Mm. Um, and so, uh, and how can I, how can what I have hold any value if it remains kind of this fixed, right, fixed knowledge or fixed experience right. that doesn't interact and integrate with people that bring forward something that's different or new or fresh or the same, um, and sometimes the same is also important because it's a refresher and a reminder. But I think that's why I feel so committed. Um, to constantly kind of giving and, and sharing. Yeah. Um, and I like to think of it more as sharing than, than giving because I don't think you lose what you have. Right. You allow other people to enjoy it. I think that what you have blossoms um, and, and becomes 
more valuable to you while it becomes more valuable to other people. Um, I like that. I like, I like that. But it's not giving that is sharing. I really like that. And I think, <clears throat> I mean, I hope people listening take that. That's a, that's a nice takeaway because oftentimes we feel like we treat it almost like a, um, a transaction, right? People often give because they expect something in return and yes. and it's not the same. Whereas if you're sharing it, you don't ever feel like you're losing it, Yes. right? Because it, it is a part of you and therefore you can't lose it if you're literally just sharing it with somebody as opposed to giving it away. So I like that. A lot of times, you know, working with either individuals or groups of people, kind of challenging that idea of the zero sum game. Yes. Right? Like the idea that one must lose for another to gain yes. um, is is part of why the planet is suffering so much. And um, that's, that's never uh, felt right for me. That's never sat well in my spirit. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, even when I've been through really, really difficult and unpleasant situations, I, I have difficulty with these ideas of, of, of labeling in polarized ways, like this, this very binary approach to who people are, the giver and the taker, the um, assailant and the victim. I don't, I don't like to see the world that way yeah. um, because everybody is, uh, everybody is a product of what they've experienced and seen and everybody has the opportunity to grow into something else and, isn't that what we want for each other? Right. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, I want to <clears throat> I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, what are some of the reading materials that you frequent in? Like, what kind of books or material uh, do you actually dive into? I want to kind of paint a picture of who you are as far as that side of you, because I want to humanize you. I don't want you to just be a mortgage agent because that's not just who you are. Um, yeah. So yeah, share with us some of the content that you frequent in. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if it humanizes me at all <laughs> with what I'm about to say, because I absolutely, <laughs> oh, uh, I am absolutely terrible at, um, like, especially when it comes to reading, taking in material that is uh, fiction and creative. As much as I love the idea of creating, I I don't seem drawn to that. So, what am I reading? I'm I you know I'm reading books on public policy, and I'm reading books on social inclusion, and um you know, uh, post-structural feminism. <laughs> uh, uh, I, and I, I think actually it kind of goes back to kind of this, this idea that I have of trying to figure out all the time, like, who am I, at, who am I on the planet and mm-hmm. what is it that I meant to do? I seem to like to learn about who I am through understanding you know, the, the systems and the institutions that I was born into, mm-hmm. um, as some of which have been, uh, I've, I've been able to take advantage of because of, of the optics of who I am mm-hmm. um, in some situations and in other situations where I have not been able to. But um, 
being able to see how how it affects me as a person, how it affects my children, how it affects the people uh, who I love so dearly around me, all of my all of my extra children um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who, who have so many different experiences and 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 I, I, for some reason reading the research contextualizes it in a way that is important for me. And, and it, it's, it's interesting because you're saying, you know, humanize me in terms of mortgage agents, agent work. And um, I think that's, that's one of the things that's kind of atypical about how I ended up in this space mm-hmm. um, where I think a, a lot of my colleagues were driven into this by being motivated by the idea of sales. And for me, uh, I'm hugely interested in the idea of, you know, what does home mean? Because uh, through my lifetime, I don't think I've ever really had the experience of feeling rooted in a home. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that I love and care about dearly would say that they had at least touch points in their life that were similar. And so this idea of, you know, shelter, housing, home, safety, security, kind of those Maslow hierarchy ideas and and how that kind of overlays with social justice and public policy, I start thinking a lot about, you know, the housing continuum. Right. And if I'm looking at things solely from a perspective of of, you know, trying to get somebody to buy into an idea. I would rather that person sells me on their story right. and uh, helps me to understand what what their needs are, um, both who they are in this moment and who they are as a representation of, you know, the family, the community, the culture, the history, the indigenous knowledge that they come from. I mean, my my entire home is filled with books. I have probably more books to read than food for my children to eat. <laughs> um, <laughs> They can eat words, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I just, I, I find a great deal of comfort in, in that, but I have tried to commit myself to spending a little bit more uh, time and energy on reading written word that is not um, in that sphere in that sphere of, of, of either academia or research or, or thought. I do like reading, um, you know, uh, around leadership and and coaching because that is a big a big part of how I understand who I am. Got it. Yeah. Now I'm gonna try and tie it all together. Okay. Because <laughs> because it, it I guess because I'm all over the place. <laughs> no, no, no. It was actually right where I wanted it mm. to be because mm. because you painted a picture of what you're interested, you know, some of your interests are as far as, you know, public policy and, and mm-hmm. all those things and different groups of people, the cultures and the nuances and, and law and all these things. It's funny, you, you, you say it and it almost sounds as if you are from a different planet, <laughs> right? But in fact, I believe it's those very things and that knowledge that you have, that history that you've acquired is what allows you to be able to navigate and interact with so many different people. Mm. Because wow. like you said it earlier, you prefer to share and not necessarily give, right? 
Yeah. And because you have all that information, all that wealth of knowledge and and all that you come across, you you in it's funny because you tend to speak the person that is in your space, you are able to speak their language. Right. Wow. So you become that chameleon. And that's what it is, because I think I wouldn't have known a lot of the things that I've learned over the years from you if you didn't know them. And wow. if you didn't, you know, openly share them. And wow. if you didn't Thank challenge you. me to, you know what I mean? Like it's, and that's what I think it is. And, and so when I said to humanize you, I really wanted to get you to say what you just said, because oh, I think that's going to be a huge asset to how successful you're going to be as a mortgage agent, because it's going to be the connection to people. And the yeah. knowledge that you have, the history that you have, that you can always make a connection for people to actually think beyond the level that they were at. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see you sitting with the client and giving more than what the client anticipated and walking away as a client thinking, wow, I didn't, I never thought about that, but mm-hmm. that was good to know. Now I know the history of not just the property, but the land that I'm actually going to be living on. Right. Exactly. And so forth. Yeah. And the history with banks, like because I know you, you're, you're built that way <laughs> where you're going to dig in and find more information that the average person thinks is ridiculously yes. you know, unimportant. Yes. But you find a way to present it where it becomes relevant to everybody in that space. And so that's going to be your cape, I guess, if you're going to mm-hmm. be superwoman and, and whatnot. But that's going to be your thing that kind of makes you um, that, you know, pushes you to fly. So yeah. thank you for that, because. Yeah. That now rounds you up for me, you know, for listeners listening, I needed them to see that this person is not just a mortgage agent Mm -hmm. and that there's more to them. And that's why I wanted to get that information out of you there. And I appreciate you going exactly where I wanted you to go with it. Oh, excellent. (laughs) Woo! I I, I wandered the right path. I'm so happy. (laughs) So now... Why mortgage agent? What kind of triggered you to say, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot and jump in? Um, you know, it really, it happened in the most um, bizarre situation. I was, I was out in a community that I spend quite a bit of time in. The particular community, I don't know, is necessarily relevant um, to the story, but uh, supporting a local business with a meet and greet event that was very particular to the particular um, you know, community, mm-hmm. social identity community that they serve. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my big contribution is talking. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Um, so because I tend to be a kind of uh, outgoing and, and chatty and, and curious person, I often end up uh, supporting their events by working their bar. I also mm-hmm. have my smart serve, just in case anybody's curious, mm-hmm. because I do love policy. And so I would, of course, ascribe to that as well. So with my smart serve, I'm at this event and I'm... Uh, serving what is now hundreds of people. And uh, one young man came up to me and he asked me what I do for a living outside of this bartending. Mm -hmm. And he said, because you're just, 
you're just a natural with people. Have you ever thought of working for yourself? And I said, well, for the most part, I do. Uh, He said, what do you do? And I said, I do a lot of coaching and consulting in primarily in nonprofit work. But the idea with the coaching and with the consulting is to really focus on helping people figure out their, their next best way to connect with people. Right. Um, and the people that they're hoping to connect with. So maybe it's community engagement, maybe it's developing policy that's more responsive. Um, Maybe it's addressing some, you know, major issues. But this is kind of what I do. And he said, have you ever thought of working in mortgages? And I said, absolutely not. Why would I? (laughs) You know, like that sounds completely the opposite. And he and he said, you know, I'm going to I'm going to send you a couple of links to to read a couple of things and and see if it might be a fit for you because I've just met you and I would be willing to sit and talk to you about just about anything. I'd be willing to talk to you about what mattered most to me. Mm. And he said, you know, I'm I work in a bank and a lot of us try to do these things and have these conversations, but it doesn't seem as natural, but I would literally pour my heart out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's so important in that sector. And I said, well, I don't really understand why it's so important. He said, well, you know, who, who wants to give their confidential information to somebody they don't trust uh. and then ask that person to help them find their, their, their best solution. Right. And it was in that moment that, you know, kind of like, uh, as they say, the light bulb kind of went on and I thought, oh, it doesn't have to be about sales. Right. Right. Um, so of course, uh, true to form, I went away from that experience and didn't put a lot of thought to it because it was still in my mind really hard to figure out like how could that idea match with what I think my purpose is. Right. And a couple of months later, I was looking to learn something new. And that's really what triggered it is I, I hadn't been in a learning environment. I needed to learn something that was new and different and actually a little bit uncomfortable for me because I find I learn the most when I'm a little bit uncomfortable. And I thought, oh, maybe this mortgage agent thing is the thing because it had me so kind of confused about why he would see me in that space. Right, right. Uh, you know, weeks, weeks down, months down, I completed the studies, I completed the exam and I was successful in, um, in getting my license to do this work. And I would say that really in the, in the learning, I did kind of what you, what you were talking about earlier. I threw myself very much into, you know, what is the history of this? What, what was my adversity to the idea of mortgage agents? Mm -hmm. Um, What was, what was my internal bias that I probably didn't even realize I had? And how can I challenge that? Right. Because a mortgage agent is a person too. (laughs) And, um, and, and so I kind of, approached all of my learning from saying, why is this relevant? Why is this meaningful? How could this change the landscape of, you know, of of this city, of this province, of this country, Mm -hmm. in a way I think would be 
a benefit in a way that I think would open more doors and more opportunities. And, and that's really how I've approached it. I kind of see it as um, an opportunity to, to meet with, with someone or a group of someone's uh, to get to understand their hopes and their dreams and their aspirations and how that is linked to purchase of a property or, or really just the opportunity to hold on to a property that they maybe already um, have. And while at the same time, protecting their interests, protecting their confidentiality. um, And, and I think that what this has become that is, somewhat different especially than than the work in nonprofit is that I'm still solution finding I'm still case managing I'm I'm still outcomes driven but now the outcomes are coming faster Um, the outcomes seem to be much more meaningful for people and they're definitely much more client driven Mm -hmm. and client directed than a lot of the other work that I was doing that was kind of a, a little less of that. Um, so this actually has turned out to feel much more congruent with my values of saying, I have this information instead of you trying to figure out how to navigate this system where I used to say that about, um, you know, social housing or healthcare or education or criminal justice. Now I'm saying it about, um, access to, to, the home that you want for yourself. I've got this information. Let me spread it out on the table in front of you. And together we'll pick through it and find the puzzle pieces that make the most sense for you and move this process along because this is your journey and you have, you have every right to explore the future that you want for yourself. And I'm happy to join you on that. So what does, I mean, I want you to really simplify it for, um, some of the listeners who may not even have a clue what a mortgage is. Um, and then there are also those who are aware of what a mortgage is, but don't actually know much about it. They just know and heard of the word. Um, I mean, there are several people that I've come across in the last week that are also trying to figure out what's the right mortgage for them. Mm-hmm. So before we dive into that, I just want you to give, give me a, um, you know, a quick, synopsis on what does a mortgage agent do? Okay. So um, I think the unique thing about what mortgage agents do that is, that's, it's very, it's, it's similar and it's also different to what you have offered through the services at your traditional major banks. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, what a, what's different with a mortgage agent is that you're actually independent. So you don't work for a single financial institution. You're not bound and tied to what they are willing to offer and who they're willing to serve. And um, so as a, as a, as a mortgage agent, you're able to kind of meet people where they are um, with whatever, uh, whatever they have to offer for themselves, uh, you know, in, in terms of like whatever their situation is, whatever their circumstances are, mm-hmm. whatever their projected idea of what is coming. As a mortgage agent, you're able to meet with them and say, okay, um, 
let's explore what options actually fit for you. Because I think what happens a lot of the times is, you know, again, going back to that idea of, of, of kind of bias and like this historic perspective around um, trustworthiness of, of major banks versus uh, people who are independent from from those types of institutions. I think a lot of people say, oh, I'll just go to my bank and they'll obviously give me my best option. Right. Now, sorry, I'm, I'm going to interrupt just for a second. Yes. Why do you think people do that though? Um, I think people do that for a couple of reasons. I think um, number one, it, it's habit. You know, it's habit to go to the places that you know. Mm. Uh, you might have a really good relationship with a, a bank teller, or um, you might have a relationship even with somebody who's who's doing kind of back end work at the bank. Um, so I think habit and relationships are a big piece of it. I think also, you know, like there's this historic idea that um that banks are regulated and therefore are more trustworthy mm. and and that um mortgage agents maybe are not and right. and i have to say honestly um in in my in my lifetime as a as a home buyer i have definitely encountered um both scenarios right i mm-hmm. uh, my my first property was purchased with a mortgage from the bank that my mother had been banking at forever, which then became my bank. So it was just kind of falling into that routine. Mm. Um, And of course my mother's generation, they went to banks because I mean, initially when, when they started buying properties, banks were the only ones that you could go to. So, so historically in Canada, um, when you first were able to buy property, uh, you had to do that through a life insurance company. And then it didn't start to change until the fifties when banks were allowed to, but they weren't willing to get in on it because they weren't, it wasn't profitable yet. So then in the sixties, banks got into it and then banks basically, held the monopoly on that on that sector of 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 financing yeah so you know more than more than 60% of mortgages through the 60s and 70s were held in the traditional uh major banks and most of the people who had um who had other types of mortgages it was because they didn't qualify so they actually were the languages rejected can you imagine wow. you go to these people that you trust um and 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 you understand that they are the ones to fix this problem or or provide you with the solution and they say oh you don't meet our requirements right so you're now rejected wow. and so everybody else was kind of forced into um what was at the time unregulated private lending. And so I think that history around, you know, recognizable big money, big money marketing mm-hmm. uh, banks versus, uh, you know, this idea of like a, a loan shark or a backdoor right, lender, right? <laughs> right? Like I, I think I, I think for my parents' generation, that was definitely a big part of it. Yeah. But I think there's that residual impact where that then flows and follows into the generations that follow. Right. And um, 
And so I think for a lot of people, that idea that, you know, uh, that there's something sinister or shady about a mortgage agent or a mortgage broker, um, because we don't know as much about that. Um, and I think a lot of the times when, when you're presenting kind of somebody with unstable income or maybe, um, income that's generated from at that time, a different economy. What started to happen though, was that, um, you know, as, as, as there were kind of booms in the eighties, there became more lenders and more types of, uh, registered and accredited and regulated financial institutions in Canada, which then also meant more options where the perfect borrower for the bank Hmm. didn't have to be the only person that could get a home. Right. Right. So what are some of the pros and cons? Right. So I understand now I'm guilty of, of this where I thought mortgage, you know, brokers and agents were shady because all mm-hmm. I knew was the banks. And so you're absolutely right with that. There is that misconception mm-hmm. um, going on around there, but obviously with, you know, the process of learning and educating yourself, you start to realize, oh, they're not the monopoly anymore. I mean, they are, but right. not, not, it's not just them. And that yeah. there are, you know, clear options. And so what are some of the pros for working with um, a mortgage broker and an agent? What are some of the benefits to doing that? Um, well, I think one thing to know first and foremost is that uh, both the federal government and the provincial government um, have have really been tightening the regulations and becoming yes. much more heavy in terms of penalizing those those quote unquote and not so quote unquote very very directly and very uh, literally shady agents. So uh, it has become much harder to become licensed. Mm. It has become much harder to sustain and maintain your license. You are required to go through constant regulatory continuing education and upgrading processes. Wow. And mortgage agents and brokers also have to... um, legally have to partake in errors and omissions insurance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, much like other regulated professions like doctors and and dentists, you know, making sure that we are minding our P's and Q's, as they would say, and that we're following policy. Sorry, sorry. I I just want to know because I don't want you to go too far into it where Mm -hmm. people miss it. The errors and omissions insurance. What yes. what does that mean? Just for the average, you know, um, person who may not have a clue what that means. Okay, so that's um, that's insurance that we all have to hold as as mortgage agents, um, and and actually we hold it as individuals, and then the brokerage that we're affiliated with also has to have some, mm-hmm. um, and it's basically a way of ensuring that if somebody was to say you say you were working with um, a a mortgage agent and they did something that was either it felt shady Mm -hmm. um, and you wanted to make a complaint or like legitimately they did something that they were not supposed to do right the process is is reviewed and vetted through this insurance process in tandem with the province 
and they do massive investigations. And there are a lot of people who have lost their licenses and had to pay people huge sums of money. So, you know, um, there's a lot of parts of the work that a mortgage agent does with a client where you have to be making sure that you're having that conversation in very clear, very specific language. You're going over it multiple times. You're making Mm -hmm. sure that you've got consent. You're getting signed consent. You're making sure that you're having conversations so that no person is buying into a property and a mortgage without understanding what their risks are. The risks are really the biggest thing, especially since the 2008 kind of that kind of market meltdown because so much of it was related to what were called subprime mortgages and basically people being sold mortgages uh, that they could never afford. Mm. Really people people being so overzealous with the selling of a product yeah. that they and and getting that immediate commission and sale and not worrying about the fact that this is entirely likely to result in a family losing their home, a bank foreclosure, you know, really terrible situations that were happening. And so now it's not even like one, not even one real estate lawyer is enough. Sometimes they're going to say, you know, they throw around kind of jargon, ILCs, independent legal counsel. Mm -hmm. You're going to need a second lawyer to come in on this. We want to make sure that everything is above board. And I think a lot of people don't realize that mortgage agents, they're asking a lot of questions because they have to meet all of these criteria, all of these standards in order to be compliant with the laws. So, and yeah, is there, that's a lot. I mean, yeah, for you guys to make sure you're obviously dotting your I's and crossing your T's. I mean, that's, that that's comforting though, um, to know that you go through all of that because the reality of it is we walk into banks. When I say we, I'm talking about just the general public. We walk into our banks and we say, hey, um, do I qualify for a mortgage? And the person behind the counter or, you know, the, the manager or assistant, whoever it is that you you get assigned to. Um, and they just kind of give you this blanket um, mm-hmm. service. And, and I don't know if they're going through the same scrutiny because they have the backing of a of a big bank. And I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming they are. I don't know. But knowing what you just said makes me feel a little bit more comfortable because I really don't know my bank. Right. Right. And, and you know, um, with the little bit of investments that I do, people always ask me, oh, well, um, who's the CEO of this company and that company? I'm thinking, wait a minute, do you even know the name of the CEO of your bank that, right. that you've been with for 20 years? Mm-hmm. Why do you ask such irrelevant questions? Yeah. Right. You know, find out if you're getting robbed on your mortgage. That's more important than, than finding out who the CEO is. Exactly. <laughs> you know, are they, exactly. are they, you know, doing things ethically and, and are they following all the, the laws or are they bending the rules to benefit? Are they even taking your money and you don't even know? Mm-hmm. You know, are they selling you products that you shouldn't, you have no business buying into? You know, is it because they're getting a commission? We don't know and all these yes. things. Yes. And I think that's one thing that people don't um, necessarily realize. You know, they see mortgage agents as these kind of almost like door to door vacuum salesmen um, yep. uh, of, of the old world. But uh, 
and they don't see that the banks are the same thing. And technically, uh, folks who work in, in banking also have to go through the same kind of regulatory licensing because they are doing the same thing. They're just doing it under the umbrella of, of this massive marketing machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and based on this kind of historic trust of banking institutions, the major banks being, you know, uh, be, because they're regulated by the government they've, and they've gone through all this scrutiny, which they do have to do, um, they must be, they must be efficient. They must be fair. They must be just. And it right. isn't sales. And it actually is sales That's the same exactly way it is. is anywhere else. And if you think about it, even the banks refer to it as a product, yes. right? Um, they're, they're selling you a product. They're selling you a service person mm-hmm. who's serving you the menu of product options. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it really just kind of comes down to to us having this embedded bias and this bet embedded assumption that under a particular umbrella, people must be uh, more fair and must be more reasonable and must be looking out for my best interest. And at the end of the day, the person selling a mortgage who works for, I mean, I'm not going to name a bank, but yeah. uh, who works for a major bank, mm-hmm. They work for that bank. Right. Their paycheck, <laughs> their, their benefits come from that bank. Where a mortgage agent is an independent uh, professional. So they may be affiliated with a brokerage, which you have to be legally so that somebody can make sure that you're following uh, the law. It's about the stages of uh, accountability. Mm-hmm. But you don't work for any one of the institutions. Right. So the difference between uh, being a mortgage administrator, which is somebody who works for a bank and sells a mortgage, mm-hmm. and being a mortgage agent is that the mortgage agent is able to help the client explore options with any number of lending options mm. or a lending institutions, which could be Schedule A banks, the major banks. Right. They could be Schedule B banks, which are the the lesser known and the credit unions and, right. and the ones that maybe are international. Or it could be uh, mono lenders, which are uh, financial institutions that only do mortgages. Got it. And you're... you're your friend at the bank isn't able to give you that information because they work for that bank. Yeah, they can only sell so you that product. They can only sell you a product that is uh, that is a product of their particular employer. So, listen, folks listening, we're talking about mortgages. I know we're going we're going ahead, but stay with us. Uh, it's it's really critical information. I just want you guys to make sure you're tuned in. Um, you're listening to um, a good friend of mine, Heidi, and she's just breaking it all down for us today. Now, it's interesting that you, what you just finished saying, I want to kind of really put it in layman's terms, okay? Yes. Um, people are going to Mickey's and they want a Big Mac, yeah. right? People are going to Burger King because they want a Whopper. You can't walk into a Burger King and say, give me a Big Mac. It just doesn't work like that. Exactly. The bank bank is going to give you what they have. They can't sell you what they don't have in front of them, what they don't know anything about. That's somebody else's offering. So Mm -hmm. 
So keep that in mind. If you're going into a bank, you know that you're only getting what the bank has to offer. But if you go to um, a broker, what you're essentially getting is almost like you're walking into a plaza of all the different um, restaurants that you're interested in. Exactly. So you get to choose, right? So the menu looks completely different for a bank than it does with a broker. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to figure out where, where you need to go, whether it's for your first or second um, mortgage, right? So just, just want to break that down for people who might feel like, oh my gosh, this is too much for me to process. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot. It's really just making the time and actually meeting with a broker um, like Heidi and have her kind of walk you through the, the steps. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what's, first of all, is there a fee associated with with you when, if I was a client that came to you and I said, hey, I need your services, is there a fee that I need to be aware of? And is that a different fee compared to like closing costs? Because I know closing costs has something to mm. do with the banks and, and their fees that they kind of put in there for their role in the process. So walk me through that. Okay, so um, yes, there are fees for mortgage brokers and mortgage agents. Okay. Um, However, in most situations, those fees are paid by the lender, not the borrower. So oh. the institution is, is typically the one paying. Um, there are some circumstances where uh, if you were to come in to, you know, to the brokerage, we're having a conversation and what you're looking at doing is really, really kind of complicated and messy. Um, and it's going to take a lot of extra work. There, there may be an additional uh, broker or agent fee that's attached. Mm -hmm. You would always be form informed of that before the process went any further. Got it. Um, the other time that you might see a, a fee attached is if you're not a candidate for any of the major banks or any of the um, other financial institutions, and the option has to be to go through uh, private lending, which can look like a couple of things. There's either like the major private lending or um, or pooled lending, which you'll sometimes hear them re hear referred to as a MIC, mm -hmm. um, not like a MIC McDonald's, but right. an MIC. Yeah. Um, and and so sometimes if 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 somebody's circumstances are that that that's the particular financial support that they need at the time, um, it usually means that their circumstance is a little bit more risky, and so the, the lender um, in those situations will often say, "Well, you know, we'll help your client, but we're not going to help you right. <laughs> as the agent." Right. And so then then we would have to negotiate, but um, but. Again, this is something that is also clearly, clearly defined by the province about how a mortgage agent is allowed to um, communicate and when a mortgage agent is allowed to communicate any of the fees. So all documentation that you get from your mortgage agent will include any of the monies that you're responsible for. And um, and that actually does uh, speak to how the idea of closing costs are addressed because closing costs, that's often when you would be required to pay any of those fees. Okay. So the, 
if you're working if, if if you're working with a mortgage agent or with a bank, any of those additional lending fees would be um, stipulated as a part of your closing cost. Got it. Along with any liens that have to be cleared against the property, if there's any unpaid taxes or real estate commissions, insurance premiums, um, any kind of titles or or things that are sitting any monetary items that are sitting against you or the property, mm-hmm. that's all included in the closing as well as appraisal fees. Got it. Um, and, and, and that's something that you, that you're negotiating with your lender mm-hmm. and also with the person you're buying the property from. Right. Because in some situations, uh, the seller may say, okay, we're absorbing this part of the, the closing costs. Got it. Yeah. Cause like sometimes a seller will say, you know, like we need to bump up the time frame because we need to get it, the money out of this so that we can buy our next property. We are now asking for an amendment to the purchase and sale agreement. So maybe you can negotiate around some of those pieces of the closing costs. Right. Um, but again, this is something that will be stipulated clearly outlined uh the province actually says that a mortgage agent has to tell you in both numbers and words mm-hmm. all of the money that you are responsible to pay and any of the risks that you should expect with your particular mortgage um and that is given to the 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 client the borrower through a document that's called the disclosure to the borrower got it yes i'm familiar with that one and you, yeah, and you have to, you have to, you're a good agent will take the time to sit down with you and go through that item by item and say, this is what this says. Are we both clear on what we believe this means? Right. Because we want to make sure, yeah, that we have a common understanding so that you're not coming back later and saying, uh, I was misled. Right. I was misled. All of a sudden, I'm spending X amount of dollars more than I expected. And that's when the errors in emissions insurance comes in. And that review process comes in Mm. to figure out whether or not somebody should be awarded money. Because sometimes the mortgage agent maybe doesn't stipulate what they should have. Maybe they weren't clear enough. And if you bought into a mortgage not understanding exactly what your risk was or your responsibility, somebody owes you something for that. Right. That's good to know. Right. And so it's important to know that, you know, there are processes for complaining. There is a way to register a complaint. Um, There is a way to to get more information even after something happens. Mm. Um, I, I was talking with somebody just a couple of weeks ago who um, one of the conditions of the mortgage was really um, it, it was a surprising clause that he had already signed off on it. He was already partway through his five years and was basically trapped by this piece of information that he didn't understand because it was in mortgage language. And obviously, whoever had prepared the document with him hadn't ensured that he fully understood. Right. Um, you know, and I can I can go more into that uh, example a little bit later because um, I think we'll probably talk a little bit about what penalties look like. But it was specifically in relation to penalties. Mm. Um, the re- the result could have been 
of over $100,000 for this gentleman that he didn't realize he could possibly be on the hook for. Right, right. And that's not fair. No, definitely not. Now, (laughs) that's crazy. Like, yeah, man. And it's funny because no one bats an eye when they deal with the bank and they get a mortgage. We just think, yeah, they 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 have our best interests, you know, and and that's it. We don't ever look at it. And I'm saying, no, you gotta you gotta look at that thing because you don't know what the penalties are if you pay too much, what your percentages are that you're allowed to pay, what you're not allowed to pay, and and all those things matter because you might come across some, you know, extra funds and you're like, yeah, I'm going to try and get rid of my mortgage. But then they're looking at you like, yep, yeah, if you do that, we're going to take this this much because you're paying more than you're allowed to. And people yeah. don't realize that. So <clears throat> common thing that we hear are two things, a fixed and a variable um, mortgage. Now, what other types of mortgages are there? So the conversation about types of mortgages is really confusing. Um, And I think that that's probably one of the hardest things to understand because as an industry, we kind of talk about everything being a type of mortgage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of things to think about. So the first thing to think about is the type of, somebody could be talking about the type of mortgage and really what they're talking about is the purpose for the mortgage. Mm. Is, is this about a purchase? Is it about a refinance? Is it a, a, a reverse mortgage, um, which is a very specific type of mortgage? Um, is it a home equity loan, which is also truthfully very much the same as a, a mortgage and sits on title the same way? Is it a blanket mortgage? And a blanket mortgage might mean you own multiple properties and and they're going to look at um, assessing multiple properties to help you purchase or refinance either something you already have or something you're adding on. Mm. So the purpose is one thing to think about and is often confused with being the type. Okay. Um, the position of the mortgage is something that people also can sometimes get confused about. So sometimes sometimes people are saying, oh, are you, I, I think I'm looking for a second mortgage. Right. Um, so the position of the mortgage, first, second, third, I mean, technically it can, the number can go up to about six if you can find lenders that are willing to do that. Um, but the first mortgage is is really the first loan that you and your name have put against that particular property title. Um, so it, it's chronological. It's the first one that occurred. And it, if you decide to get another mortgage after that, using the equity in that property, but the the first mortgage is still running, then you're getting a second mortgage. So what I want you to do for me is if you can kind of walk us through what a mortgage insurance is. I mean, why is it significant? There's one set of mortgage insurance that's called mortgage default insurance. And that's the insurance that is attached to the lending process. So if, if you're one of those 
folks that's lucky enough to be able to be considered a first-time home buyer and you're allowed to put down less than 20% of the per, of the selling price of the home. Right. Um, you would have to have mortgage default insurance that your that is attached to your mortgage. Um, and that particular insurance, it's a must. Anything mm-hmm. that's less than 20%, you, you don't have a choice. It has to be attached. There are, there are only three uh, organizations in the country that provide it. Um, one of them is is a is a crown corporation, uh, which is the CMHC. Right. So I think that's the one people know the most. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of really good um, marketing and and promotion, so you see their name a lot of places. Right. Um, so they cover default insurance and another one that recently changed its name used to be called Genworth and is now called Sagan. Okay. They seem to be the ones, uh, that are picking up the most momentum and actually more mortgage default insurance is running through them at this point in Ontario than CMHC. Uh-huh. Not really sure why that decision is. Um, it's probably in relation to to the different ways that that they're offering their insurance products. An insurable mortgage is usually with one of the major banks, and it means they're paying the premium because they're running it through um, kind of their batch insurance program, so they can get a really good rate. Um, and so, if it's an insurance a bull rate, it means you're not paying it as an individual. Uh, it's, it's the bank is the one paying it directly, but it will uh, find its way into the numbers that you pay, right? In terms of the rates. So with that one, does that act as if the bank is technically your beneficiary to your property? Ah, great question. So the funny thing about properties in Canada. (laughs) um, So what I think a lot of people aren't aware of is that technically speaking, all property in Canada is owned by the crown. Right. Unless it's uh, treaty land. Mm -hmm. So there's two types of land in Canada, crown land and treaty land. If you purchase a property Basically, what you're doing is you're purchasing the right to use that property for that given time. Mm. Yeah. So, so because of that, if there's an issue with a default on a mortgage, the first people paid out, like you don't get to name your beneficiaries because the first people paid out is the CRA. Uh. If you have any debts owed to the federal government, they get first dibs on any money that results from the, from the sale of that defaulted property. Wow. Then it goes to the lender. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's something that's confusing for a lot of people because really it doesn't make sense, right? right. I, I'm saying I bought a property, but you're saying I didn't really buy a property. Right, right. <laughs> um, you leased it. <laughs> you're, you're, basically, you're basically leasing it from the crown. Yeah. And, and that's kind of complicated. There's two other kinds of insurance that kind of creep up into this world, and that's uh, life insurance. Hmm. A lot of times that people were kind of counting on life insurance to pay off their mortgage in the event that something happens. Right. 
uh, a lot of the times you're getting that uh, maybe even through your employer or through some other package. But the second that you're not employed by that company or having access to that, you don't have access to that uh, insurance coverage either. And and life insurance is, is usually based on an amount. So right. uh, a million dollars, it seems to be quite kind of standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but outside of that, there's mortgage protection insurance. Oh, wow. And mortgage protection insurance is third party and it's outside of any default insurance or batch insurance that you're getting from the bank. So how does it protect you though? Um, And that one is in the event that for some reason you are no longer able to pay on the mortgage, either from uh, serious illness or uh, an unfortunate loss of life, a mortgage protection insurance you're paying a monthly premium and they will then pay out the entire amount owing on the mortgage so that you're cl- clean and easy. So, but it won't be um, anything left over for any kind of beneficiary. That's just covering what's what you owe. Exactly. You do not. Det- so for all of these types of insurance, you do not. For life insurance, you can choose your beneficiary. Right. But for all other types of the insurance, it's just to cover the property. It's, it's yeah. You don't have a say, and right. and it all in CRA always gets first first rights to pay out is what they say. What's sometimes challenging for some people in terms of uh, kind of buying into the idea of mortgage protection insurance is that you know you you're paying this monthly premium, and then as your mortgage amount decreases through ongoing contributions, the amount the insurance would pay out also decreases because it's only ever going to pay out the amount that you owe on the property. Right, okay. But it's still helpful to have it. And to be honest, it has been, especially through COVID. Sure, saved a lot of people. It has saved a lot of people from having to leave their homes, especially when we're looking at some of the aging populations Yes, where uh, one partner might have been unfortunately passed or yeah. uh, is no longer able to, to generate income. Mm-hmm. This is where that uh, kind of falls into place and, and provides that, that little bit of space and buffer. It's, it's, it's good to know because I'm sure people are listening aren't aware that they have these options um, or they're not even aware what the insurance they actually have on their current property covers. Exactly. And, exactly. you know, there's a lot of misconception um, or, or misinterpreting of information. So I think this is important and, and very helpful. Now, there's something else that I want to ask you about, which is how can a borrower save on mortgage interest? Saving on mortgage interest? Yeah. Um, if when you're searching for your your particular mortgage that suits you the best, if you think that you're going to want to try to make some additional payments above and beyond your, your kind of um, regular, either weekly, biweekly, or monthly payments, right. then you're going to want to look for an open mortgage. Ah. Either open, like fully open or partially open. 
So if you have an open mortgage that's fully open, you can make additional payments onto the principal at any point in time. Wow. The, the more that you're paying your principal, yeah. obviously the, the, the quicker you reduce even what you're paying in interest. Right. If it's a partially open mortgage, then you're allowed to make some payments to some amount at particular intervals. And that's going to be dependent on the particular lender and what they're willing to do on that particular agreement. So, so listeners, again, let me try and break it down for you. Basically what's happening is you approach your bank or whichever, um, you know, institution that the, your broker is able to get you. You want to find out if there are limitations or restrictions to how often you can make payments, mm-hmm. right? So if it's open, if it's fully open, what Heidi's talking about is, let's say you got lucky or you played a lotto and you won a little bit of money, not the whole jackpot, but something, and you want to kind of hack down your, your mortgage. If it's fully open, you can do that. However, if it's partially open, they might say, well, instead of 50,000, you can only maybe do 20. Mm-hmm. Right for the year, and then you got to wait till next year. And the reason behind whether it's open, closed, or partially open is they make money through compound interest. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're getting 25 year mortgages and and so forth because time is where they make their money. It's through time, mm-hmm. like any like any other investments. Time is where money is made. So you get into this deal with a bank or an institution and you're saying to yourself, um, I want to pay this off as quickly as possible. And they're like, well, no, I need to make money um, over this period. So, no, you can't pay it off tomorrow. You got to wait at least a minimum of X amount of years before you can pay it off. (laughs) You know, so they put in some of these um, um, restraints just so that they can also profit because otherwise... What's the point? Because they're taking a lot of the risk, all the risk. Therefore, they want to make sure they get the reward. Exactly. So keep that in mind. <laughs> and and actually, that that speaks a little bit even to the idea of um, of rates. Like I think a lot of people think that a, a good mortgage means a good interest rate, mm-hmm. and and you're going to get a much better rate with a closed mortgage than an open mortgage right. because they have much more control of what their profit margins are. Exactly. Right? You're not you're not prepaying anything, you're not paying anything down. So they can't count on as much money from you over time. So they're not going to give you as sweet a deal. Right. right? right. Um, and that also it also applies to some of the other uh options in terms of of how the, the mortgages look, right? Uh, a fixed rate is going to be a a better rate than a variable rate yeah. because they can count on it and there's less, there's less risk for them when it's stable and you've locked in and you've signed and they can count the pennies ahead of time. That's right. Anything that has any kind of fluctuation or shift, even if it looks like it could be in their favor, it's still um, on paper. It's still somewhat of a risk. Right. So talk to us about a penalty. Ah, penalties. Yes. We're right there. So I, okay. I own a mortgage. I'm making my payments. What are some scenarios that I could face a penalty? 
<laughs> I think people don't often realize exactly how many uh, how many situations are considered breaking of a contract, breaking of of a mortgage. So um, you know, you break a mortgage when when you when you default, right? But your default insurance will help with that. So so sorry. Before you continue, uh, what she says, default. She's talking about when you don't pay on time or you don't pay at all. So if, if for some reason you haven't you haven't been making your mortgage payments, they are there is a legal requirement for for uh, for and this is why the insured and insurable piece is important. Either you are paying or through the bank you're being covered for insurance to make sure that they can't just boot you out after one missed mortgage payment. Right. Right. Um, so that default insurance comes into play when there's some kind of hiccup that slows you or prevents you or stops you. If that carries on over time, you've, you've now broken your mortgage. And right. so they can charge you a penalty for that. Hmm. But there's other much more common situations that are actually considered a break of a mortgage. So if you decide, oh, I'm going to transfer my mortgage over to that other bank or that other lender because they've got a better rate and a better option, I'm now breaking my mortgage to take it over there. Mm. And so there's a penalty. Right. Also, when you sell your home while you have a mortgage on it, you break the mortgage. Wait a minute. Yes. Okay. Okay. Back it up. Back it up. Back it yes. up. So right now I have a balance on my mortgage. Yes. So if I go and sell my house, I'm breaking the contract. You're, you're breaking a contract because they were counting on X amount of dollars from you for whatever it is, for whatever is existing on that, on that term. If you get a mortgage and you, you commit to a five-year mortgage, mm-hmm. And after year one, something happens, good, bad, or ugly, and you decide that you're going to sell that property, you've now broken your mortgage one year in. Oh. When they were expecting another four years of your interest. Wow. So you're going to pay a penalty. So I'm better off waiting until the five-year mark and then decide or like, what, what is this here? How do I get around this? This is, this is something that really, I mean, and this is why a mortgage agent is somebody that's great to talk to you because it's not just about that initial, I purchased the house, I need a mortgage today, but it's also about some of that long-term planning. So if I'm sitting with you and you're buying your house or say we just sat together um, and you said, I'm thinking of refinancing or, or it's time for my renewal. There's a good example. Mm -hmm. So I've owned my house for for four years, I'm coming up to my renewal on my mortgage. I'm going to stay stay with my bank because they've been really good to me. Sounds like a hassle to move. So I'm just going to stay with them. Right. As a mortgage agent, I can still help you negotiate with your own home bank. That's still an option. And it still wouldn't be like, it, it wouldn't be considered like a private situation. So that would still be something that's done like paid usually through the bank. Really? But... Because they want to make sure that they don't lose you, oh. right? Um, but what we would probably t- be talking about is, okay, you're refinancing, but what are your plans? Do you think that you might choose to sell? Do you right. think that you might choose to refinance at any point? Is the market looking like it would be great to sell? Is the market looking like you can get a better interest rate in six months? 
because then maybe what we're going to look for is an open mortgage instead of a closed mortgage. If it's a, again, because if it's a fully open mortgage, you're paying a slightly higher interest rate, but you're allowed to, to prepay at any point. Right. And pay, paying off, like selling your house, when you sell your house, you pay off your mortgage. Right. And so that is a prepayment. Wait a minute. You know what's crazy? I've I've owned my my mortgage for twelve years, uh-huh. and not once have I had that conversation about <laughs> what my plan is in five years. But wouldn't it make sense? It makes complete sense. Yeah. But why are we not having these conversations? I mean, that's frustrating. It is frustrating, and I think that there's there's a lot of reasons the conversations don't happen. Number one. Banks know that most people are very risk averse. And, and so because people are nervous about a lot of things, and to be honest, you're putting your name on the line for a million dollars, you should be nervous, right? <laughs> you know? Um, and so people are going to choose the, the options that look the most stable and the options that look the most uh, ma- manageable, which makes the bank more money. So why would they discourage you? That's true. It's just frustrating because if I know that information, yeah, I You'll can make decide. different choices. Right, I make different choices. That's beneficial to me and my family. However, the part that really now is starting to bother me is by not having that conversation. I also don't know that it's going to be a penalty against me if I act. Mm-hmm. on, you know, what I'm feeling and what I think is best for my family, not knowing what's stipulated in my contract. Right. And it should be it should be very clearly defined. So as a part of both the commitment that you would have received from the... So the first document that you get from, from your lender is going to be a commitment that's very legal and very long and you've probably initialed in 100 places. No one reads that. No one reads that. But somewhere in there, and if you're working with a mortgage agent, they must read it with you Hmm. and make sure that you understand every point. That's part of our legal responsibility. And that's the difference because I'm not going to lie. The bank says, okay, this this page is talking about X, Y, Z. Exactly. It doesn't go into, they don't go into detail as to what's actually being stated in there. Mm -hmm. They give you that blanket statement, the summary of what that page is talking about. But problem with that is I can, as, as the borrower, I can interpret it in a way that benefits me in my head. Exactly. And I was just going to say one thing that I did learn from all of the years, you know, kind of doing community development work and coaching is that information is only important to somebody in the moment that it's important to them. That's it. And so even if somebody did tell you, it might have meant absolutely zero to you in the more, in the moment. Right. Right. Um, Your thought process when you're buying your home is this house is on the line. I just need to agree and get this done so I don't lose this home. Right. Um, So a lot of the time somebody might brush over it. And the question becomes not only was it communicated, but my question to you is, do we feel like we both understand what this is saying to us? Mm. Do we both agree that we understand what the expectations are here because I don't want you to feel later like you're uncertain. Right. And I, I, and this is when I bring back that, that conversation where that gentleman, it was actually with 
a bank, which was very surprising. The clause said that his prepayment penalty was the entire amount owing. That's unheard of. What? So if he was to break his, it, yeah, it was. He had to pay out the remainder of his mortgage if he broke his mortgage. But he didn't understand that fully. Wow. And so even if somebody had communicated it to him, the other thing is in the moment, a lot of people are thinking, why in the world would I break my mortgage? Right. So this is irrelevant. This is this is just one of those clauses that they attach in that nobody pays attention to because whoever breaks your mortgage, well, more people break mortgages than we realize because more things are described as a broken mortgage than we realize. Ouch. Right? So he, yeah, he was he was trying to shop around. He wanted to, to transfer over. He wanted to break his mortgage with them and, and switch over to a much better rate because the rates are really great right now. It, it didn't make sense for him. Wow. He's, he's better off to pay out the remaining 18 months that he has because he'd be paying it anyway because he signed it. Wow. Is it ethical? I don't think that was ethical. I think that I think the government regulators would say it's not ethical. Yeah. So so it's important to know that like right now there there are guidelines around what prepayment penalties should look like. So if your mortgage is closed, you have no options of prepayment. Mm. Any anything that breaks the mortgage ahead of time, you're bound. Wow. Penalties. If you if you have a partial, if you have a wide open one, then you have no penalties really. Right. Um, and then if you have this partially open one, typically the standard is either three months of the interest that the bank would have received, that the institution would have received, mm -hmm. or what is called the interest rate differential, whichever is higher. Now, the yes. interest rate differential is basically like when we gave you the mortgage, uh, uh, we were expecting to get uh, three months of 5% interest mm -hmm. on this, and, uh, and now the rates are lower. So the interest rate differential would mean that now the rates are 2.79. So the interest rate differential is the, is, is the median between those, the, the middle point between those two numbers. Got it. But Got if, it. but that means that it goes down. Right. So that's not what you're paying because you're right. going to pay the higher of the two, the higher of the two not, yeah. not the lower of the two. No. So it, in the event that the interest rate has gone higher since you've locked in on the mortgage. Yeah then you might have a little bit more um, room to play with. But uh, more and more banks are becoming a bit reasonable around this because it really does kind of think of being unethical yeah. to, to, to expect um, un, unreasonable conditions. But that's why it's so key to understand what are the conditions of your agreement so that you know what you've committed to because it is a legally binding document. Yeah that that is attached to that property right now speaking of penalty i'm just going to take a quick break um i want to introduce this ad here and we'll be right back are you looking for the finishing touch to wash day a special occasion or just a play date graham bear has you covered we offer a wide selection of accessories you will love our plant-based hair clips and fabric bows bow ties for daddy and me 
and our best-selling turban headbands, which are perfect for your mommy and me looks. We're a Canadian-based handmade shop. Our products are made to order with love, care, and attention to details. We offer fast, local, and international shipping. Our accessories are made for making memories in. Visit us at grahambear.ca for all your family accessory needs. Follow us on Instagram at grahambear to see our products in action, know about promos and contests. Be sure to use promo code DAPS10, that's D-A-P-S-10, for 10% off your next purchase. All right. So we're at the point where I have a, a small segment called Thinking Out Loud. Okay. And I'm going to ask you the most random question. And I want your quick response <laughs> to it. It's silly, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. It's called Thinking Out Loud. So would you rather get hit on by someone 20 years older than you or someone 20 years younger than you? <laughs> um, <laughs> let me let me do the math and make sure that those are both legal options. Right. Um, thankful, thankfully, I'm up in the, in the mid part of a century, so so I either way looks equally suspicious. Um, I I think that I. I I, I, my ego would say I'd prefer to be hit on somebody by somebody twenty years younger. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I would I would say because wouldn't that mean that there's something really appealing about me? Yes. But of course that would be very superficial. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I figured that <laughs> that one would be something that I was thinking about. I'm like, yeah, that's a good one for Heidi. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, somebody 20 years older than me, we'd be having some pretty serious conversations of what their perspective, perspectives are around social justice and, right? <laughs> and equity. And, you know, like, that's, a, that's a whole other generation. That's a lot of teaching coming from you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you for that one. That was yeah, thank you. That was funny. That was very funny. <laughs> Um, how much should someone budget for their closing costs? Hmm. So yeah, closing costs, that's an interesting thing. Um, because it really depends. It, it varies a lot with the property. Uh, it's, uh, you know, if there, are, if there's any liens against the property, um, and whether or not the seller is covering that cost or the buyer is covering that cost. Uh, taxes, the real estate commission is is attached onto here. Some insurance premiums. There's a there's a chunk piece here. Um, but I think in terms of budgeting, ha. Huh. See, the reason why I asked because I read somewhere that it could range anywhere from like maybe three thousand, and it can go up, yeah. up to like ten, depends on the property or whatever. It, it, it does, and okay. that's what I was just going to say. It's really dependent on the type of property, mm. um, and and all, and and even like we were just talking a little bit about how how land is owned. You know, if it's you know if you're purchasing on a on a treaty property, it's going to look different than if you're purchasing on a crown property. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one one thing to think about um, is 
you know, there's there's been a lot of change in the industry in terms of appraisals on properties uh, because of COVID and the inability for appraisers to actually go to the sites. So there's very different ways of it, of it happening. And a lot of, a lot of the non-traditional lenders mm-hmm. are looking at ways of incorporating that into their costs. And so some of them are even saying, we'll, we'll cover the cost of the appraisal. And so that doesn't even sit on the borrower. So it, one of the funny things about the pandemic is I think a lot of us 15, 16 months ago thought, oh my goodness, this is going to kill the market. Right. Interest rates and inflation are going to skyrocket. Everything that was predicted, it went the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, a lot of the things that you were told you couldn't do before, like you couldn't ever electronically sign your documents before. Right. Now that's accepted. Now there's new portal systems so that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to give some documents in paper copy to your mortgage agent. And it's actually, you, you sign electronic waivers and it transfers directly from your bank to the new lender. Yeah. And I think that in a lot of situations, this is information you probably want to know, right? Like if there's a, if, if you're buying a property and there's a, a dispute with the neighbor of where the property line is, yeah, there's going to be some costs that, end up a part of your your closing costs when you buy it, but also that could potentially mean a headache yeah. um, and something that's ongoing and long-term. And, and it might actually, some of the things that are additional costs might be red flags for particular buyers, right? right? Um, I've, I've heard some people say, you know, a 1% of the, of the sale value of the house is mm. a good amount to set aside. The other thing for a buyer or a borrower to keep in mind is that those costs should not be a surprise to you. And they should all be part of those conditional documents that you get at the very beginning that you have the right to, at, at the point where you have the right to say, this is a fit for me or it's not a fit for me. Okay. And and so at the beginning, you should know what the closing costs should be, or can it change because maybe the appraisal or, or things like that? So that can change. And there's a couple of things that can change what the closing costs look like. So the appraisal could change it. Got it. So the lender may say uh, the appraisal shows that there's issues with the roof and it's an area where there's always ice storms. So we're really concerned about that. Right. And so it, it, it may make them a little more concerned about the actual conditions uh, that may have to be met. So they may give you a timeline to meet those conditions. Right. Um, or, or they may encourage you to go back to the seller and try to get the seller to cover that cost so that it doesn't sit with you. Um, another thing that actually changes the closing costs and, and changes some of the condition is, uh, what happens so often in the city of Toronto, especially is with bidding wars, you may end up having a different final sale price than the original purchase and sale agreement. Right. And that will also change it. Yeah. Now, and, go ahead. No, finish. Finish your thought. And, and it, it could actually even change uh, the lender's comfort with the actual mortgage that they've offered. Right. And and that's, that's one thing that I think that um, is important for people to understand is, you know, there are some lenders that are nervous to, to give a mortgage that's over a million dollars. Yeah. And right now with the price of properties, 
if you're p- even if you're paying 20% down, mm-hmm. the mortgage is probably going to be over a million dollars. Yeah. Um, so some of the less traditional, the non-traditional lenders, the mono lenders, the some of them are really comfortable with the idea of a, of a mortgage that's 1.5 million or 2 million. But some of those traditional bank products they're still really, really nervous about yeah. lending you. And so then that's when you end up looking into to finding a second mortgage to back it up. Right. Because then what you're doing is you're getting a, another loan to, to increase the size of your down payment, essentially, in the eyes of your first bank. Right, right. Yeah. Now, what is what is a, a mortgage rate to hold and how is it beneficial? Oh, uh, mortgage rate holds are a pretty cool thing. Um, And I think that the way that they're beneficial, I think a lot of people talk about the idea of getting pre-approved and that can be really kind of confusing. Because sometimes you go on an app or you go on a site and you you type in the numbers, you know, you you find out that you're pre-qualified for a mortgage of $999,999. In uh, $999,999, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So you just squeaked in under that million dollar mark. Yeah. But this is a major purchase that's based on a lot of different factors, including verifiable income and verifiable credit score and verifiable properties. So pre-qualification really just gives you a sense of what you should be planning for. But right. it isn't really something to walk around with. Right. Pre approval is a little bit more elaborate. You're doing all the same kinds of document provision and you're sharing all those heavy details that you would um, in a standard application. The only difference is you don't have a property. Mm. And so you're getting a sense of how much the lender would give you based on the type of property that they'd be happy to lend on. That's okay. Unless you're going to buy something or you're looking to buy something that doesn't meet their property requirements. So that's where um, that's where a hold rate becomes really useful because a hold rate allows you to do, and not every lender will do it, mm-hmm. but it allows you to take advantage of uh, an interest rate that's really great right now based on all of your qualifications. So you've, you've given every, all the information, we've gone through your credit score, we've, we've got all of the evidence and the proof that, that the description of your finances is accurate and that the mortgage amount is going to be um, manageable for you. Right. Uh, it's a debt load you can carry. And there's some kind of a hiccup that is going to slow down the process. Maybe it's pre-construction. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to use the rate today so that you don't have to wait until three months down the line when the rate has increased. Uh. And so a a hold rate allows you, in most instances, to hold on to that rate for about four months. Wow, that's not bad. Yeah, as long as you have that conversation. Another way that that can be really useful is if you're looking at a renewal. Okay. Because you don't want... Sorry, does that mean if the rate, let's say today, is low and that's what I wanted mm-hmm. and my renewal isn't until two months from now? You can you can definitely have that conversation to see what your best options are in terms of taking advantage of today's current rate. Does it mean a renewal with your same lender? 
and mm. see if they'll do the hold rate or is it about holding the rate now with a new lender so that you can wait until your term closes so you're not paying a penalty uh. and then and then you're doing that payout you're closing your mortgage right um as opposed to selling midterm and then you're taking advantage of it because they were willing to hold on to that rate for you. Awesome. Okay. And and it takes a lot of the burden off. I, I was just talking with somebody about this the other day, um, actually for her, because she's she has a really hard time uh, planning and staying on top of dates. Mm-hmm. So even when I say to her, when is your renewal? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's June or July. Maybe it's August. I know it's when it's sunny. <laughs> Right. And then uh, as the conversation goes through and I say, well, you know, you should really have those documents in a safe place where you can find them. (laughs) Uh, It it turns out that her renewal is not until next January because she didn't remember that she got an extension. Oh, yeah. And so so it's, it's always good to be able to know that that hold option is there. Yeah. Um, so that you're not leaving things to the last minute, because I think a lot of the times, especially with renewals um, or transfers, because people wait until the last minute, the options aren't the same and the pressure is so high that people just end up re-signing and renewing with the with the same. lender they're with because yeah. it's easier. Yes. Um, yes. And and in some cases it's it's easier and it's better, and in some cases it's easier but it isn't better. Right. And if there's an option to start exploring early, why not do it? That's it. And if there's an option to to lock into something and get that commitment, so so what I was describing earlier is that once you've done all this paperwork and they've verified, so you've got your mortgage agent, you've got the lender, and they've got their underwriters and uh, I happen to be with a brokerage where we also have our own underwriters. So there's a lot of people vetting and making sure that everything, you know, that we're, we're meeting all of the criteria that we've got an explanation for everything that we see on all the documents on your credit report. Um, We've got all the paperwork lined up, packaged, ready to go. We send it to the lender. They agree that everything is great. They send a commitment. And so their commitment is basically them saying, okay, we, we, we want to work with you and, and we're willing to do this with you. And, and if you have that and you have it at a hold rate, then you've got that document to feel secure for the next couple of months without having to have that stress. Wow. Yeah. So my friend, we are coming to the end. Yes. And I have two questions to ask of you. What are the benefits for clients that get to work with you specifically? Oh, well, I think I'm just so absolutely charming. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) um, So I think working with me, I think that um, I think the fact that I come into this work from a very different place um, and and with a very different perspective. Like I really understand that I do this work to be as useful and honest and beneficial as possible. Um, 
I also, as I was saying, I work with a brokerage where we have in-house underwriters. So it's not just me. I'm, mm. I've got a team of other people that I can also go back to and say, um, is there anything that you know about that I might not be aware of? Do you have a different inside connection than the one that I have that might be willing to throw something better on the table? Um, and so I think that, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's not about that piece of paper with numbers and rates and terms and this, that, and the other. It's really about um, building a long-term relationship and being able to know that you can come back to me at any point in time with any kind of questions. And and I bring that forward as opposed to, you know, just trying to quickly tick the boxes and get things signed and get it off the table and and talk to you in five years or maybe not. Right. Um, I, I, I would like us to build a long-term sustained relationship. Now, my second question is, what's next for Heidi? What's as next? a mortgage, yes, as a mortgage agent, what's next for you? Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, I personally would like to be more involved in actually growing my own uh, portfolio of properties. So, I going back to, to, to my core values again, being able to explore ways of, of becoming an individual who contributes to shifting the kind of space around equitable housing options for people. So I think like I would like to be able to be that landlord that isn't, you know, asking for the, the highest uh, rent amount because mm-hmm. I can, but looking at creating spaces for young people and disenfranchised people and uh, newcomers to be able to establish a sense of home and also have enough money at the end to be able to build themselves forward. Um, adding to a community of, of new people and new faces who are calling themselves homeowners and property owners. Um, that's what I would like to see. And that's where I would like to be. Look at you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't I anticipate mean, this episode to be the way it went. Ah, really? Yes. I anticipated it to be, um, you know, I didn't think you were going to give me as much information as you did. Oh, wow. So thank you. Um, it is a lot. It is, right? And 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 that's the, the other thing why I wanted to do this because even for myself, going through it and just kind of reading and, and trying to figure out what questions to ask you mm-hmm. and it pushed me to kind of dive in a little bit more to learn more about the, the field because I didn't realize how much it actually, you know, how much information is involved. It's a very, very complicated thing. And I think that's one of the reasons that so many people um, just kind of accept whatever, whatever the advisor is telling them, they accept it and they sign and they initial and they do as they're told yes. so that they can get their keys and they can move in. That's it. And it's because, you know, it's, it's, it's already such an overwhelming process to then try to understand all of it. Yes. Um, and, and like you, I've, I've, I've sat in rooms with people, both, both in banks and, uh, mortgage agents. And I've had all of this in front of me and I thought, what in the world are you talking about? Right, right. (laughs) And does this even apply to me? Does this matter? Yes. And you don't know, you know, 
you don't know what matters until it matters. And, and that's the really scary thing about it because yes. it's such a big purchase. Um, it's so important and it's also so complicated. Yeah, and it's, it's 25 years. Yeah, 25 years I or mean, longer. I mean, yes. And, and it's funny because this is an epiphany I had maybe a week or two ago because it dawned on me that you know, initially a person goes in or a family goes in, they get a mortgage and they sign for it 25 years. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, 10 years into it, they're like, oh, the market is this, blah, blah. Let's get a new house. Mm-hmm. And then they jump ship. They jump from this house that they've just invested 10 years yeah. in to go and get a new bigger house. Yeah. Now they're back on the hook for another 20 year, 25 years. Exactly. It really is a trap cycle. Yeah. Like, that's insanity. Like, that's 50 years. Yeah. With, you know, basically that you committed to, I mean, in hindsight, it's actually, what what is that? That's going to be, if they did 10 years, that's 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. And you haven't made a dent. Exactly. Because a lot of people, their motivation to buy is because you're tired of paying your landlord rent. Right. But but for a lot of people, I mean, I've I've met many many people who who purchased for that reason, and then they feel house poor because they didn't they didn't walk into it the right way with enough information to make informed decisions yep. that they could feel good about, and then they end up selling and going back to being renters. So. On that note, that very note, what I want you to do for me is yes. leave our listeners with a statement to guide them on their journey. Because you just mentioned a key thing, which is the whole house poor thing. And it's a real thing, people. It's not a made up, um, you know, statement or ideology. It's a fact. Like people buy into a home they can't really afford because mm-hmm. they haven't made the right choices or adjustments. And so they pay for it. So is there anything advice that you can leave our listeners today, um, you know, on their journey, whether to become a first time homeowner or uh, maybe it's their second property or trying to figure out how to get another mortgage and and what it might be like to get with a a broker as opposed to the traditional banking Mm -hmm. system? Um, I I think what I would say is be honest with with yourself about where you are. Mm-hmm. and be honest with yourself about where you want to go and what you see for yourself. And, and that can be a big dream. That's okay to dream big. Um, and then, and then build the community of, of people around you that you need to help you make the decisions and to set that plan. So even if it's two years out, you're starting to make some shifts in your, your approach today because you know that it will help you in the long run. Um, I think that uh, for, for a purchase that's this big, both financially and emotionally and psychologically, far too much is left till the last minute. Yes. And, and so, you know, being able to say to yourself, I, I, I recognize where I am today. I, I am clear on my purpose. I am clear on where I want to go and what I would like it to be. And now I'm going to recruit the people that I need on my team to help me get there with the best advice and the best direction possible. Wow. At, at the end of the day, uh, as a mortgage agent, 
uh, I, I see myself as your, your personal PR agent to all of those lenders, right? I need to know your story because I am selling you to them. I'm not selling them to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I want to yeah. take this moment to not only thank Heidi for blessing the show, um, with the wealth of information and knowledge that we're gaining, everyone, including myself. There's a lot I didn't know that I learned today, and I'm grateful for it. Uh, I also want to thank the listeners for just joining me on a weekly basis, um, supporting the you know the DAP show, and a special thank you again to my friend. Um, please make sure you log on, subscribe, like, share, 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 because information is meant to be shared. So- shared. So that we can all be educated and make the right decisions, not just for ourselves, but our family members. I want to make sure I give Heidi the opportunity to actually share with us um, if she has her social media um, contacts. And it's just for people to be able to get, you know, quick questions in and out, um, you know, how they can get a hold of her to maybe get some consultations or even just be her one of her clients and say, hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. I like the information you shared and I need your help. So um, don't be afraid to reach out. That's why I bring some of these guests on board because they are people that are willing to give information and share and help others get where they need to get. So um, Heidi, do me that favor and actually share your social media handles if you have it and um, any way that you prefer people to reach you to gain more information about what you're doing. Um, I thank you so much, first of all, for having me and for um, giving me the space to ramble on at length about uh, about these bits and pieces that I am uh, so passionate about right now. So I'm really, really thankful for this platform and this opportunity and for your very thoughtful uh, questions. I really appreciate it. Um, I think the best... mode for me to share is probably um, that I can be reached at uh, HeidiSerio.ca. So H-E-I-D-I-S-E-R-I-O, my first name and last name, .ca. That's my handle for Instagram. It's the website. It's the link to the mortgage platform. It's kind of everything. Um, tried to keep it consistent so it would be easy for me to remember. <laughs> um, and that's, uh, that's a great avenue and, and you'll have all the links there to be able to reach me by phone, by email, whatnot. Perfect. Thank you. And I'll also make sure that the website info is going to be also in the description um, if you are following the show on Podbean. That's where you get all that details. Until next episode, love, peace, and nappiness. Thank you.